CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. But I totally got hey there, we're live at the Nasdaq market site in Times Square, and look who stuck around for the show, BK. <laughs> the guys are getting ready for the show. In the meantime, here's what's coming up. Small cap stocks have burned investors the last few months, but Mike Coe and Carter Worth think they could be due for a bounce. They'll give us the trade. Plus, options traders are loving the banks this week, and there's one name in particular they see soaring in the new year. We'll tell you what that is, and later. The recent sell-off has stocks trading at a major discount. And there's one Dow stock Carter says is a major buying opportunity right now. He'll break it down. It's time to risk less and make more. The action begins now. Let's get right to it because it has been the ultimate battle between bulls and bears as the major indices close out a wild week on Wall Street. The S&P, Dow and Nasdaq all clawing their way out of bear market territory, up around 3%. Even the Russell 2000, which has gotten hit the hardest in the sell-off, eking out gains. And the chart master says the small caps could be setting up for a bigger bounce. He's over at the plasma to break it down. Hey, Carter. Right. So what do we know? We know there's beta in small caps relative to large caps. We know uh, that they've sold off more than the S&P. And we know that if you believe in the January effect, that favors small cap stocks in the month of January. So let's talk about the three drawdowns of the past decade. You can see them here. They're very clear. Let's put a big circle around this one, down 31% in 2011, down 27 in 15, 16. And here we are, a peak to trough decline of 27 versus the S&P, 20. So the issue is, would you rather play these for a catch-up trade to the overall market. That's the bet that I want to make. Let's look at a few charts and go from here. Now, it's a little bit complicated. It's a relative chart. So you're not looking at the Russell here. You're looking at the Russell 2000's relative performance to the S&P on top. But here's the important thing. If you were to have a moving average on this over the past 15 years, 150-day moving average, every single time that we have come down and gotten this low, what's happened is that small caps have outperformed. And we are at that critical juncture yet again, you can see it. And what has happened here is this, is this, is this, is this. And I'm gonna make the bet that that is going to happen again. That we are gonna actually have a double bottom on this and we're gonna have a major multi-point bottom on the percentage above or below. And in fact, let's look at the statistics when you've been in this exact circumstance. So. When the ratio, 7% or more below the 150 million average, this is relative performance, keep that in mind. Russell outperforming the S&P on a relative base, 150 base points, 200 base points, 500 base points. The stats back it up, the charts back it up. If you believe in the January effect, it's the way to play it. And then in specifically, if you really want to uh, talk about this, it is small cap value, which would be IWN as in Nancy, versus IWO, which is growth. All right. Very convincing, uh, Carter. So Mike Coe's in Reno, Nevada today. So Mike, how are you trading small caps? Yeah, so I don't think I really need to tell anybody watching that with all of the volatility we've been experiencing lately, options premiums have gotten pretty elevated in the indices and in single stocks as well. You know, something else is, of course, whenever you're in a situation like this where you see prices moving around as sharply as they have been, 
tough to know whether you're catching a falling and falling knife, whether there might be another bit of a drawback. So what I'm looking to do here is to mitigate the high cost of options. I'm looking to get some near-term term upside ex exposure to the degree that I can, but I don't want to necessarily buy the IWM right here. So what I was looking at was the February 115 140 risk reversal. You could spend $1.25 to buy that. Essentially what you're doing here is you're selling that downside strike 115, which is about 10% below where IWM traded at the end of the day today, give or take. Uh, and then long that 140 strike call. So I actually get immediate exposure closer to where IWM is currently trading to the upside, but I don't have it put to me unless it falls by about 10%. Now, a quick point I want to make about a trade like this, these puts, as elevated as they are, actually are going to decay at a rate not dissimilar to the calls. Even though they, you're collecting a little bit less, that's an important point here. Between now and February expiration, which is 49 days away, that's the reason we're selling that downside put if you're wondering why you're looking to collect maybe a dollar ten against a two dollar and thirty five cent call option. All right. BK, what do you think of the trade? What do you think of small caps? So directionally, I like this trade a lot. So let's think about what's going on in the world. We know that we're seeing slowing growth. We know that we're seeing China slow. We know that we're seeing Europe slow. So where is the growth? It's here in the U.S. And the small caps generally are insulated from the international scene. Now, I don't know what's going to go on at the dollar, but I know in the small cap area, they will actually do well if we get a rebound uh, in, the, in the economic growth here. So, or at least, at least a surprise in economic growth here. So I like it directionally. Interesting also... You, you like financials, and of course the weighting in the small cap index is much bigger in the Russell 2000 than it is in the S&P. Um, so if indeed that's something you think is going to work, you know, just classic CNI loans. But and you the don't think financials I, will work, and yet you think the overall trade Right, because I don't think work. there's as much trouble at the small regional bank level uh -huh. than there is in some of these big, what they used to call money center banks and capital markets banks, where things are, are really uh, not as good as it would appear. Mike, are you concerned at all about the, the heavier weighting uh, in the Russell 2 financials? Well, you know, I, the, basically I think the upside to financials is a little bit more limited than maybe it has been in previous financials downturns. I mean, we have a situation right now where you, you need to see really good CNI growth, Obviously, we would like to see a, you know, a steeper yield curve. All of those things would be beneficial. As rates rise, that could obviously impact the former. And as it flattens, that impacts the latter. Uh, you know, that said, though, a lot of damage has been priced into this space. I, I really think it's probably the other names in the Russell that are going to provide fuel, though, for a bounce. If you take a look at how poorly it has performed since its peaks earlier this year, you know, one question you have to ask yourself is that everybody wants to buy things when they're on their highs. Here we are trading at a huge discount, essentially, to where we were just earlier this year. And I think that's really the play here. One final point I would make, and this is about the options trade, as it goes higher, you're going to have an opportunity to do two things. One is to buy that put back at a cheaper price if it rallies. And secondly, sell some higher strike calls against it to help finance a trade. So try to be nimble with something like this. The market's moving around a lot, and we want to try to take advantage of that if we can. All right. Well, speaking of the financials, those stocks have been coming back to life this week along with the broader markets. The XLF Financials ETF up around 3% for its only positive week of the month. Uh, big caps, Bank of America, Morgan Stanley, Citigroup all getting in on the action despite this move. The sector is still in a bear market, down 20% from the highs. Uh, but did the rally, but the rally did spark a wave of call buying in the options market, specifically in Bank of America. Bank of America trading over 1 million call contracts on Wednesday alone, making it the single most active stock. To put that into perspective, the second most active stock was Apple, 
which saw only around 400,000 calls trade that day. And shares are up around 10 percent from its low on Monday. And it looks like traders are expecting the rally to last at least through the end of next week. So should you buy the banks <coughs> here? And specifically, should you buy B of A? Brian. Well, that was my final trade on the show before so this guess, was B yeah. of A. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, what I like about Bank of America particularly is it is cheapest on a price to book value ratio. So it's trading something around a 0.76 or 76 percent of book value. I am not suggesting that banks should be trading much above book value, but you're getting a discount here. And unless you think that there's a huge recession coming in the next three months or six months, then that book value is probably pretty solid. So now I have fundamental support. I've got a sector that's just been destroyed this year. And now I've got options players coming in trying to play for a bounce. To me, that's where I want to be. How did you interpret the action, Mike? Yeah, you know, I think this is pretty interesting. You know, he's referring to book value, and I think what's very interesting to remember about financials is that, of course, you can get a significant amount of volatility because their balance sheets are so enormous. Now, if you actually think that we're getting to a level where there is sort of a backstop to valuation, that same effect can create a lot of momentum to the upside. And I'm not surprised. You know, we actually saw this a lot during the credit crisis as well, right about the time that people thought, Maybe the worst is over, and we can actually start looking at the stocks as a call option. Buying calls on them essentially was a way to get more leverage. We saw that a lot in Citibank in the credit crisis, and we've been seeing it a lot in Bank of America now. And I think actually the part of the reason for that is when people make these kinds of plays, very often they're trying to look not at the most favored banks in the space, like maybe a JP Morgan, but maybe one that's a little bit less favored. I think Bank of America fits into that category nicely. And the big, of course, uh, the 800-pound the, the grill in the room is the 10-year note just hit yet a new sort of intermediate low. We hit 2.71%. And none of that ultimately is good for financial. However, right? there's two things about that. One, the 210 spread has actually spread. steepened That's a true. bit. Secondarily, we're worried about C&I loans and loan growth. Well, what do banks do when they don't have, when they, don't, when they can't make those big fat margins? They make a ton of loans. And they do that light cycle. I'm not suggesting that this is a long-term play, but... It would not surprise me to see loan growth increase and a slightly steeper yield curve. And at the end of the day, again, if you believe equities have bounce potential more than the slight bounce that's occurred, this is a beta trade. Financials Mm -hmm. go up more than the market or down in principle. Yeah. Mike, um, you mentioned the higher quality name of J.P. Morgan. That's usually a go-to. At this point, with this bounce that we've seen this week, where would you reach? A Bank of America or J.P. Morgan? No, I still think you probably want to take a look at something like Bank of America. I mean, where most of the damage gets done is in the names that are less favored. And that's why if you are going to get sort of a V-shaped bottom and a a significant rebound, that's the place you probably want to go to get most of the action, if we'll call it that. This is the name of the show, Options Action, after all. And, you know, that's the other reason I think that we're seeing people making these plays using relatively short-dated outright call options. This is a relatively cheap stock. The options are even a little bit cheaper. And so if you're really looking for convexity to work for you, this is probably the place where you would want to do it. All right. For everything Options Action, you can check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, sign up for our newsletter. It's BK's favorite thing to read over the weekend, especially when there's New Year's Eve involved. So what are you waiting for? Here's what's coming up next. Disney shares have held up amid the market chaos. And the Chartmaster says it could be the ultimate value play in the new year. We've got the trade. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket. Grab your phone and tweet us your question 
at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. Welcome back to Options Action. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Stocks are on sale as the recent sell-off has put nearly every single Dow stock in correction territory or worse. And if you're looking for a bargain, the chartmaster says there is one name in the group that could be about to break out. Carter's back over at the plaza to break it all down. Hey, Carter. Well, Disney, uh, sort of this is a family program and it's a family stock. Let's talk about it. Disney, since 1990, on the top, what you obviously see is this very sideways, stuck-in-a-range behavior. Now, the important thing is, as it's been doing this, it's actually been, of course, underperforming the market. This is of the past three years, because we know the market's up. So Disney's sideways action represents poor performance relative. But of late, that started to change, which we'll see at the end. And that's, that's the basic impetus for this call. So a couple ways to draw the lines. Again, here's the same chart. Instead of a range, I've done it as a, as a wedge or a triangle. What we're starting to do here is just ever so slightly, I believe, break out of that. But then on a relative basis, notice that when we were coming down, we stopped right at this line and that we've started to move back up. That's encouraging, which is to say we found this level of support on the relative chart and, and it has acted perfectly right there. Another way to draw the lines on the relative chart um, is an uptrend. It's the same thing. Let's keep going. So now the chart itself is a little bit tighter since 04. Look at how we triangulate. Some people call this an ascending wedge. You can call it whatever you want. What it represents is after an incredible advance, it represents consolidation as you work into the apex. My hunch is that we're going to bust out here in a big way, and I think Disney is one you want to own, both offensively if the market's going higher, and defensively if the market struggles, that this will hold up well. And as a testament to that, take a look at this. This is Disney over the past month or two down with the market. But what has it done? It has basically been outperforming. That's alpha. That's what you want in a tape like this. I like Disney long. Buy it. Mike, what's the trade? Yeah, so Disney is a really interesting case here because this was a stock that historically had traded at a significant premium in terms of its valuations to the market. And that's no longer true. It's trading about 15 times forward earnings right now. We haven't seen persistent periods where it is traded at multiples lower than this other than 2011 where we had a big market drawdown, the credit crisis, and prior to that, not back until the early 1980s. So the stock itself is looking extremely cheap. And while some companies, you could justify that cheapness by saying that the future has already been set in stone and that they're not going to have much of a future, that really isn't the case for Walt Disney. We're not talking about whether or not they're going to have persistent iPhone sales in the future. Their business is pretty consistent. So the first thing I would say is just, I like the stock outright. The second thing is that options are exceptionally expensive right now. Since the credit crisis, we've only seen two instances where they've been more expensive, actually, than they are right now. After their earnings disappointment in 2015, and then when we had that big market swoon in 2011. So we definitely want to take a look at strategies where we can sell some premium to help finance what we're going to buy. I was looking at the 100, 110, 120 call spread risk reversal in March. 
selling the 100 puts, buying the 110 calls, and then selling the 120s against it. And one of the other reasons I would point out that we're seeing these elevated premiums is they are going to be announcing earnings in February that's probably being baked in as much as the volatility in the market here. What's going to happen over time, even though we are laying out a bit, bunch of premium, is that those wing options are going to decay at about the same rate as the option we're buying. It's going to give us participation essentially up 10% or so from where the stock is currently trading and give us a little bit of insulation against a 10% downdraft. But that isn't really the reason why I'm selling that downside put. I'm just trying to collect some premium. I don't think that there's a lot of downside potential for Disney given how cheaply it's currently trading. High praise from both Mike Coe and, and Chartmaster here. Yeah, and I'm going to agree with them. I'm going to really? agree with them. Well, so look at, you look at what's happened over the last several years and why is Disney traded between $90 and $120. Most of their businesses were getting disrupted. So now you have to say, is the worst behind them? And have they changed the business enough? And can they start to accelerate? Think about ESPN. That got disrupted. The ABC TV studios, potentially disrupted by unbundling. The movie studios, it disrupted by the likes of Netflix. All of those things were happening over the last several years. But now, Disney is starting to accelerate. And I think the worst behind them, I like this trade, particularly at these levels. $100 to me seems like a very, very critical level. And nothing to do with charts, but they do have to have a couple big movies in the theaters right now. Things that uh, are uh, epic sort of names like <laughs> Mary Poppins and Lion King and the Wreck-It Ralph internet. This is all good stuff. You're so up on the latest yeah. Disney well, I mean, I, I got no a couple idea. kids you know, that are <laughs> You look at anything other than charts. All right, coming up, retail stocks back in fashion this week as the XRT rallied 6%. But should you trust the bounce, the traders will weigh in. Plus, got a question for one of the traders. You can send us a tweet to add options action. If it's a good one, we'll read it later in the show. We're live at the NASDAQ market site in New York City's Times Square. More options action still ahead. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back at one of our open trades. Just two weeks ago, Carter and Mike said Nike could get kicked down on earnings. Neckline is here. A break of the neckline would give you a Costco-type sell-off. Earnings coming up. I'm a seller. I think the way to do this is to simply look at a relatively near-dated put spread. I was looking to January, the 72.5-65 put spread. You could spend $3.05 for the 72.5 puts when I was looking at this earlier and sell the 65s against it for $0.80. Cents. Nike shares slightly higher since the time of the trade. So, Mike, how are you managing this? Yeah, I think this is really important. You've got to follow us on Twitter because actually we sent a tweet about this trade right before earnings. Why did we do that? Because actually there was a huge downside move. The stock traded down to 67 bucks before earnings came out, and we suggested rolling that trade. The stock did get a big pop, but then it traded really poorly thereafter again, and I found that kind of interesting. So I think I'm going to defer to Carter if you happen to still have this trade on. Right. It's been a wild ride, and we basically where we started. Um, if we've got the time, or if you just own the security on the short side, I think you stick with it. I mean, Nike's not uh, going on to new highs anytime soon. Mm -hmm. 
But it was quite an earnings report that they Yeah, posted. I mean, I, I'm not sure I'd want to necessarily be short Nike in this. I mean, it was a decent earnings report. It was a great trade. And I think the lesson in this is, you know, if you're in the money and you're starting to make money before the event happens and before the options expiry, why not take those profits? I mean, it worked out. But in terms of do I want to be short Nike here? I probably don't. I mean, $70 was a pretty a big pair? level. How about two marquee names? What about short Nike against long Disney? One's trading at 28 times, one's at 15. Do you like that as a pair? No, I don't like pair trades. You don't like pair trades. I don't like pair trades at all. But, but for those who like short, pair you trades. Do, do you mention that because you like that pair trade? I do like that pair trade. <laughs> I just thought of it now. It sounds <laughs> There <great>. you go. <laughs> Mike, what are your thoughts on this pair trade? Well, I think we've actually done it already, right? So we <laughs> have to put that like on. Kind of and uh, yes, and we've got a bullish trade in Disney. Yeah, so yes, I'm, I'm fully on board with that. All right. And how about retail in general? We saw a, a, a pretty good bounce yeah. this past week. I, I, they've had a really good bounce. I think we, in my view, we get another bounce. It, and it's part of this whole kind of market bounce that we're looking at. But you look at something like Amazon, again, the disruptor. They already told you that it's going to be pretty good uh, consumer, pretty good uh, holiday season. So I think as part of the market rally, you can get into these retailers. All right. Up next, we're taking your tweets. And we've also got the final call. Stay tuned. to take some tweets or first viewer asks what do you think of selling covered calls or naked puts on apple at the 140 strike in january 2019 mike co what do you say i like it because options premiums are elevated and also because i think the real upside to apple is probably fairly muted and the downside is probably muted as well that's a good trade in this situation okay next question is could 2019 be the year to bet on beaten down commodities especially if the dollar weakens carter I think that's a darn good bet. In fact, commodities as an aggregate are starting to exhibit certain relative strength characteristics that would suggest it's maybe a safe haven play, as crazy as that sounds. Um, GSG is the vehicle. It's the iShares for commodity. It's liquid. I'd be long. All right. Time now for the final call. Last word from the options pits. Mike Coe. Call spread risk reversals in Disney. I'm following Carter. I like it. Carter Worth. Well, Disney long. And if you want to play equities in general, IWM, small cap over large. BK. So Carter mentioned the dollar, which I've liked long for 2018 and 2019. You might see that shift, which should help out those commodities. Lower dollar. All right. Thank you, BK, for hanging out with us. That does it for us here on Options Action. See you back here next Friday. Meantime, Mad Money starts now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.